I'm Lisa Leahy, and I'm the host of Pictures and Conversations, a rabbit hole book club. Each month on the 20th, I'm joined by a group of fellow book lovers, and we discuss a book in our typically nerdy fashion. As we continue to not talk about the book that we're not supposed to talk about. (laughs) I admittedly, too, I'm totally weird about the way I read things. Um, Sometimes I just completely devour books, and and I'm usually reading three or four at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just pick up whatever strikes my mood. I have something I read before I go to bed, and I I read murder mysteries before bed. Uh, But I, I liked it good enough. Like... No, it doesn't go super deep into developing these characters. Definitely not. Is it Harry Potter for adults? Absolutely no. not. I... Anyway, you can find Pictures and Conversations, a rabbit hole book club podcast, anywhere you get your podcasts or on our home website, rabbitholepodcasts.com. Everything we do here at Rabbit Hole Podcast is sponsored by Audible. You can go to audibletrial.com forward slash rabbit hole pods and try it absolutely free for 30 days. You can download any audiobook, original show, or podcast that you want. And after 30 days, you can you only pay $14.99 a month and get even more content. If you decide to cancel at any time, even after the trial, you get to keep anything you downloaded so far. So why not give it a shot? That is audibletrial.com forward slash rabbit hole pods. When you use that link, you help us out here at the network. We appreciate you. Another way to support us is by becoming a Patreon member. Patreon.com forward slash rabbit hole pods. For as low as $1 a month, you can hear episodes early, check out bonus content, and all kinds of great goodies like access to our Discord or join us whenever we go live on Twitch. Again, that is Patreon.com forward slash rabbit hole pods. And we have to give a huge shout out to all of our Patreon members. You help make all of this happen. to the Word of Hellmouth podcast, where we are going through the entire series of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, episode by episode, re-watching and discussing everything that is Buffy and the Scoops. Today, we discuss Season 2, Episode 18. Yeah, we're already on 18, guys. Killed by Death, which aired on March 3rd, 1998. This is a side quest where Buffy gets the flu. Wait, what? Yes, apparently even Slayers with their super healing abilities and powers can catch the common flu. The sickness is dire, and she passes out in a fight with Angel of all all people and has to be rescued by the Scoops. She finds herself stuck in the hospital, forced to rest until the fever breaks. But there ain't no rest for the wicked, and on the Hellmouth, Sunnydale Hospital has its own monsters. I'm Heather Baxi Walsh, and with me as always for this very creepy episode is my dear friend Mark Armstead. Mark, how are you today? I'm awesome, Heather. I cannot complain. How you doing? I'm lovely. So the sick person or main character being afraid of doctors trope is something that we see a lot on TV. Most mm-hmm. shows hit this kind of thing at least once, once the series goes on. I mean, we're in season two, so we're getting to it now. But there are, are there any that stick out in your mind that you particularly liked or thought were silly? Like the Candy Striper episode on um, Say by the Bell, something like that. Any that that you strikes your memory of being good or really uh. bad? I think uh, I should know because I watched the whole series more than once. But Supernatural, 
Like that someone's afraid of hospitals and supernatural. Is, is it Dean who's afraid of hospitals and supernatural? Dean's in the hospital more than anybody. So so yes. yeah. He's outside his body at least twice walking through the hospital. Yes. So you're right. <laughs> yeah, that's that. And that's just the hospital tropes and the things that hospital horror. Uh two things come to mind. One, uh did you ever watch uh, Stephen King's Kingdom Kingdom Hospital? No. It was, it was a fellow miniseries based off one of his uh, short stories, of course. But Kingdom Hospital was like a haunted hospital. It was Ooh. it was really, it, it, it's a fun one. Like it was kind of cheesy because it was like made for TV, but it's one that I really enjoy. And uh, just think about movies and hospitals and tropes. My nickname for this episode is Hellmouth on Elm Street. Because ah, yes, there, yes. there are a ton of Nightmare on Elm Street references in this particular scene, like this particular episode, and the fact that it takes place in the hospital is very much Nightmare on Elm Street 3. But there's tons of it throughout this episode. But yeah, there's more on that later. But yes, those are the instances that I, I think of. I thought I thought of, I, I picked up the Nightmare on Elm Street 5 big time too. Uh, I, I don't know if it was intentional. I, I, there was enough of it that I feel like it probably was. And that's that's really cool. Do, you, do your own spin on it. Like a lot of shows will do their Wizard of Oz episode. Lots of shows do that too. And I love it. I love seeing the twists and the way that they interpret it. Um, mm-hmm. my, my favorite, <laughs> my absolute favorite hospital episode is um, from Golden Girls. <laughs> it's... Mm-hmm. It's when Dorothy, I think she has to have her appendix taken out, but she is not, I mean, she's she's a 50 something year old woman and she is not about the hospital and she is convinced that she's going to die and she tries to sneak out and leave. <laughs> Every episode oh, of the Golden Girls for the most part, almost all of them are hilarious, but that one is one of my favorites, but I love Dorothy. <laughs> I am ashamed of how little of the Golden Girls I've seen. Now, I, I, I know episodes and I love every episode that I've watched, but I need to watch all of them. You like, do. I even have... Oh, you would still love them. They're so wonderful. I know. And still <laughs> funny. So funny. Uh, my sister actually, I, I said this like for years, I need to watch more Golden Girls. My sister actually bought me Golden Girls pillows. So I have like a blanche. I have all four of them. So they're all scattered around this room. <laughs> so oh like, my I goodness! Watch, I need to watch them. Like now, that one's out of my reach. But yes, okay. I have all four of them. But I need to watch more Golden Girls. <laughs> so, so I started. I've, I've watched them since I was a kid. I love them, and I still. I've seen every episode so many times. It's ridiculous, and I still laugh out loud. It's that funny. But Mike and I, when we first started dating, I, I was like, "Hey, have you ever watched the Golden Girls? You like them?" And he's like. No, I've never watched the Golden Girls. I'm like, well, you put on the Hallmark Channel at night sometimes. So uh, the Golden Girls comes on at about 11. Watch a couple episodes with me. I bet you're going to like it. I think he loves that more than I do now. He wears his Golden <laughs> Girls shirts. He has little Golden Girls Funko Pops sticking up in his garage. <laughs> it, is, it is so great. We own the entire series because you need to have that on disc as we, Mark and I, are physical media fans. But yes, yeah. The girls, the girls are forever. They really are. There is some outdated stuff in there that you, you there is a little cringeworthy. But I remember growing up going, I am so going to be Blanche Devereaux. Well, I am not Blanche. I am definitely <laughs> Sophia. <laughs> and, I am, <laughs> and I am okay with that. <laughs> yes. Like, it's hilarious. Again, like, I, I am not, a, I am a new to Golden Girls, but it's on my radar. But like, 
I can't. It's still funny today. Like the episode I've seen yeah. recently, like this, this shit is hilarious. And this it, was like in the late '80s, early '90s, like oh, this is so yeah. fucking funny. But yeah, I need to watch more Golden Girls. I really do. You'll like it. You'll like it. You, yes. I, it's a perfect thing to do if you get sick and need to binge something for a couple days and put yourself in a cheery mood. Binge the Golden Girls. Will do. Will do. So, on the on the subject of being sick, Buffy is on the, the, the she she she's she's rageful now. You know the yeah. the death the death of Jenny Calendar from the last episode is still raging. You know it's a problem, and she's hitting the streets really hard. Uh, and the episode opens with Buffy just you know on patrol, and she's in the graveyard. And, you know, she doesn't look well. Like, Buffy looks haggard. Buffy looks bad. So, um, she hops over, you know, uh, a wall. And, you know, she she's, you know, scattered. She's hunting. And she almost stakes the scoops. Because mm-hmm. they're hunting with her. Not with her, but they're kind of, they know she's sick. She know, They know that there's a bug going around. And the whole school has it. And Buffy has it, too. So they're trying to help their friend and pick up the slack of her, you know, of her being sick. Particularly of course, Cordy, who points out how terrible she looks and tells her she needs to go to bed. But actually, that's what yes. Buffy needed to hear. She needed to hear it. She didn't want she it, did. but she needed to hear it. <laughs> yes. So Buff, to Buffy's defense, she's like, no, Angel's still out there. You know, he, you know, I can't rest if he's out there, you know, killing people, you know. There's no rest for the wicked. And of course, Angel pops up, you know, speak the devil, you know. I didn't expect that. That shocked me to death. I was like, oh, oh, we're starting this way. Okay. (laughs) Exactly. So fight ensues and Buffy is slowing down because Buffy is ill. She's sick. So um, Angel kind of gets the best of her. And, you know, he almost kills her. He says to the extent, huh? You know, fighting you when you're sick is, you know, kind of takes the fun out of it, but I'll still do it. And, you know, yeah. so he's on top of Buffy, about to take her out. And luckily, the the, the Scooby gang is still there. They put a jacket over his head and start, like, beating his ass. <laughs> they do. It was really great. It was really cool seeing the Scoob step up and protect Buffy. It made me happy. Yes. So, of course, Angel gets free. And, you know, they all have their crucifixes. So they have their crosses and, you know, they kind of, he he retreats essentially. He retreats. Buffy comes to and then she passes out. Yep. So and Buffy that's, is very sick. That's it. And I'm gonna show Mark something and I'm gonna explain it to you guys. So my notes for the show. I don't know if you can actually see with the light. Uh-huh. Okay, so so usually here in this column, I write where it's taking place. So it'll be like library. Buffy's house and that way I and then I section it off so I can keep them somewhat organized but I know the location because we switch locations a lot this one is all hospital (laughs) it's all hospital so from here on out we're in the hospital pretty much (laughs) so um Xander carries Buffy into the hospital uh she is kind of out of it you know they put on a gurney they take her back you know and she is just kind of delirious yeah uh, and a bit belligerent jump. which i approve of <laughs> <laughs> yes so they call giles uh they call joyce they get her up there and uh she's getting better well they're not getting better 
They gave her some fluids. They stabilized her, and you know they're taking her to her room. She's gonna be there for a couple of days. And Buffy is slightly delirious. Like she, she is very sick, but she's also the Slayer. And Buffy, she knows her responsibility. She knows that you know evil doesn't sleep. Evil doesn't take sick days. So she wants to get out there. But she's in mixed company right now. So she's she has nurses, doctors, Giles, uh, the Scoobs. And she's like, the vampires, the vampires. I, I can't be here to fight the vampires. So they're like, uh, what, what is this girl talking about? Is she on drugs? What's going on? And they kind of have to like, kind of play it off. Like, oh, you know, she's just delirious. It's she, a she fever. Yeah, it's the yeah. fever. It's the fever, fever dreaming and stuff. Yeah, so it's a fever situation. You know, it's a problem. So... Buffy's it's a legitimate a claim too, though. You, you with your fever is oh. high enough, you absolutely can hallucinate and see things and believe things are going on that aren't. It's it'll make you crazy. It's a true, real thing. So I mean, it was it was a pretty good, it was a pretty good comb <laughs> over. <laughs> yes, yes. So now we kind of get to catch up. Now we're in the uh, the waiting room. We have Giles, Joyce, and the Scoobs. Uh, uh, there is some talk about um. There's some talk between Joyce and Giles. And yeah. we don't see too many conversations before this of just them talking. No, I was thinking about that too. I'm like, oh, they do a little bit more further into the series, but here there isn't mm-hmm. too much interaction between them. And I kind of wonder what she thinks about the librarian constantly hanging out with her daughter. Right, right. So Which she actually before... addresses, yeah. Yeah, but before we get to that point, before the Joyce and Giles situation, um, Joyce does share with the viewer and with the schools. Buffy does have a fear of hospitals. And yes. this this plays a big part in this episode. Essentially, when Buffy was a kid, her cousin, Celia, uh, was in a hospital and she, you know, passed away and Buffy was in the room with her when she passed away. Yes. So and an interesting thing too is we don't get a lot of Buffy backstory. We get no. I mean, we get we get more Angela's backstory than when we get Buffy. We don't hear too many stories about Buffy when she was younger. We know that she figure skated and she was a cheerleader and burned the gym down. I mean, that's that's <laughs> that's those are like the, the three main points in, in her past that we we know about. Right. So that plays a lot. Uh, that plays a lot into this particular episode, you know, Buffy's fear of hospitals. Uh, but after that, we do have that conversation with Giles and Joyce, where Joyce does, you know, give Giles her condolences. Like, I heard about the teacher that passed away, Jenny, and Buffy mentioned that you guys were close. So I'm I'm sorry to hear that. And as you alluded to, uh, Joyce does thank Giles for taking an interest in Buffy, you know, and make sure that she's okay and, and things are kind of smooth with her. So... Again, you know, Joyce doesn't know that Giles is the Watcher and is Buffy's the Slayer, but she appreciates another adult taking interest in her and kind of guiding her. Yes. So, next we have Buffy. She's in the room. You know, she's kind of coming to, she's feeling better, still kind of discombobulated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she looks through the door and she sees, you know, a child walking you know down the hallway and right after the child there's a tall creepy you know monster walking behind the child with like uh, a bowler hat, hat right yeah yes with a bowler hat and buffy's like holy shit what is going on here and she kind of passes back out because she's still you know coming to yeah oh and the little boy whispers he says death is coming 
Yes. Death is which, coming. Which super creepy. Super creepy. The whole thing is creepy. But it does feel kind of fever dreamish. Like it does feel like you're watching it from Buffy's perspective, but and you know that there's monsters, you know that there's demons, you know that there's supernatural things in Hellmouth, but at the same time, you're kind of questioning too, is she really seeing this or isn't she? I mean, what what are we seeing at this point? Because it's just from Buffy. Right, right. So the next scene we see um, Xander is sitting outside in like the hallway of the hospital. And in comes Angel with yeah. a bouquet of flowers. Yeah, white ones, white roses, I think. Yes, I think I, I know they were white. Yeah, they were white yeah. roses. And Xander stands up to Angel. He does. I'm having, so proud of him here. Mm-hmm. He stands up to Angel and they're going back and forth. And, you know, Angel, I'm sorry, Xander, is, of course, is protecting an ill Buffy. And Angel being a hospital, he can come into the hospital, of course, because you don't have to be welcome into the hospital. Uh, he, he, Xander stops him. It's like, you know, you're not going in there. And huh, Angel says some things. Namely, yeah, he like, are you mad because, you know, I got to do it first with Buffy before you? Which yeah, is like, he's, he's basically ugh. like, I hit it first. Nah, 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 yes. nah. That is what he's doing. That is so what yes. he's doing. And he knows that it pisses Xander off. And he tells him flat out, he's like, you're still in love with her. Nah, 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 nah. And Xander doesn't fucking deny it. He don't. He don't. Nope. 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 But. <sighs> The complexity of Xander. So, yeah. But he does. He mm -hmm. stands up and he's like, no, you need to get out of here. And if you do come here, okay, yeah, maybe I can't beat you up. But, and maybe not the security guard here, but there's enough of us here that it's not going to be worth your while. Mm -hmm. And an angel seems to take that to some some degree. But he also calls, he calls uh, Xander, and I find this interesting, his uh, or her white knight. And I'm like, yes. Ooh, that has a really, really different connotation now than it as was intended by Angel then. But at the same time, Xander kind of fits the idea that some some of us attach to it now too. I was like, this mm -hmm. is really interesting, and way more so than maybe it was intended to be. <laughs> yes, yes. Like it, it, it's great, but uh, Xander, when well, I Xander, Angel gets the message. It's like, okay, and he backs off. He gives. Uh, Xander the flowers until I stop by. And yeah. like, okay. He backs off. Like, yeah, that, that, that would have been a fight that Angel, not saying that he wouldn't have won, but it, it it would not have been, you know, good. It wouldn't be, it would have been, it would not have been strategic. At no, all. no. And he hasn't gone to all of this effort and work just to go kill her while she's sick. He doesn't want right. to do that. What he wants to do is taunt her and make her more miserable before he kills her. Even if he ever really even intends on it, like when is that gonna happen? Does he want to kill her or is he gonna does he just want to make her a vampire? Right. We don't know. Yeah, we what are know. his intentions? I mean, maybe he doesn't know either because he's completely insane. Yeah. I just I think the the forethought of this thing is that Angel has strong emotions for Buffy. He had a soul, that strong emotion was love. And the soul was given to him against his will. So Buffy represents the thing that meant the most to him when he had a soul. So he must have destroyed that when he doesn't have a soul. Yeah. So I, oh, that's so good. The non-consensual soul. 
<laughs> exactly. Like this thing was forced upon me and this thing made me love you. Now that this thing is gone, in order to truly be gone, you have to leave. Yeah, I Which have to destroy honestly, you. Exactly. Which honestly makes me think, makes me question, is how soulless is soulless angel? Yeah. You know, because like yeah. there, there has to be something there because definitely, you know, we all say like the reverse of the inverse of love is hate. And he hates Buffy. But in order, we know to hate something, you really have to feel strongly about it. Like yes. the, the true, the true inverse of love is indifference. But this is an ah. Like, so, like, maybe that's just me overthinking it, but. No, if, no, I think it's brilliant. Really, yeah, if you really hate somebody, there is passion there. The last episode, like, there is feelings there. Like, if you truly don't care about something, indifference is far more colder than hate. It absolutely like, is. Listen, let me tell you, if you really don't like somebody or you want somebody to really be hurt, ignore them. Be indifferent. Like you really want to get like this is this is not Mark speaking from his higher self. This is petty Mark. But if you ever want to hurt someone, show them that they don't matter. (laughs) It's so true. I'm gonna be petty too and agree with you. I I could not, I had no, I had no I was more angelous. I'm like, I am gonna make them suffer when I was younger. That was more of my mentality when someone would hurt me or I would hate them or I feel like I had some kind of, you know, righteous vengeance against them. 100%. Even though I did kind of know in the back of my mind exactly what you're saying is right. But now that I'm mm-hmm. older and I don't give a fuck anymore, I'm like, no, no. And it's true. It makes them crazy. And now I'm not trying to make them crazy. I just don't care anymore. You're 100% right. right. You're spot on there. Spot on there. So cold, I mean, it could, cold it, indifference. It could be higher, Mark, but it can also be petty, Mark, too. Either way, it has yeah. the same effect. Yes, cold indifference. Oh, really? You, you, oh, I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know you said anything. Oh, I didn't realize. I didn't even that. know you were still here. Yeah, I'm sorry. Exactly. Oh, I wasn't cold. listening. What did you say? <laughs> Everybody wants to matter. If you take that away from them, oh, it, it'll burn them up. That's true. But it's very, use that very at true. your will. Don't. <laughs> don't say, well, Mark said do this. No, no, no. It, it, that that is okay. If you don't want to use Mark, you can use me. I'll be the devil on your shoulder every time, and I'll make no apologies for it. I absolutely will. I'll tell you to do it. Go ahead. If they deserve it, and they gotta come and give it to them. Yes. <laughs> but it begs the que- <laughs> it begs the question: How soulless is soulless angel? Because well, this- soulless in general. I mean, that all the demons are supposed to be. And we've talked about this with Spike, too. And I think this is important. Mm-hmm. It is something to acknowledge, especially with later seasons with Spike. It becomes even more complex and interesting. So so addressing mm-hmm. it now is kind of kind of, you know, important, too. We, we've talked about Drusilla and Spike. There's love between them. There's real love. It's not healthy. It's not mm-hmm. good. But Spike and Drusilla love each other. That is oh, not a question. Yes, they do. Dysfunctional? So if you don't, mm-hmm, not healthy, that's for sure. Weird codependence, but do, but do, but can they do that? They apparently can do that if you don't have a soul. So you can still love. Yeah. So that draws that draws more, more, yeah, to to this whole idea that Angelus does still love hate Buffy. Yeah, it's he loves her so it makes him hate her. Yep, that's it. You got it. 
It's something, it is something indeed. So where are we? So Buffy feels a little bit better. Um, it's the next day and the Scoobs are visiting her. Uh, and they're willing her about, and she's telling them about her vision. Yeah. About, you know, hey, there's something in this hospital and it's a monster and it's, you know, it's just, it's doing something to kids and we need to figure out what's going on. Now, I love Cordy. Love Cordy. You know, we, we definitely have friends for Cordy. And here Cordy is, <laughs> she she's never been a scalpel. She has been a, a shotgun. It, it, yep. it is not, it is never surgical. It is never you know, meat. She is a blunt object. And I love it. <laughs> exactly. And, and here she is. And here she is. And she essentially questions Buffy like, hey, it could be a monster or essentially your mom told that you hate hospitals and you been a you always want something to beat up and you want to see something that isn't there to make yourself feel better. Yes. And, and she's right. Isn't she though? I mean, I wrote down, yeah. and then I wrote down the quote after that. I wrote, fucking Cordy, tact is not, is just not <laughs> saying true stuff. But yes, but what she's saying is, I mean, it, it's not the case. There's, there's a monster here. But out right. of everybody, too, there did need to be a voice of reason. And it just happened to be Cordy in this scenario. And like you yeah. said, she, she delivers in a blunt object. Now, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, too, if I had a friend, I had the choice of somebody given giving it to me gently or giving it to me like Cordy. I want Cordy every time. I want yeah. that honesty. It's It doesn't come through with malice. That's just who she is. She has no filter. It's from her mind to her mouth. And that's real. So I can take that. I I, I, yes. I, I appreciate Tack from time to time. But, but. <laughs> you know, I, I think it, it it's definitely, it, it could go either way. I used to pride myself on personally. I used to be a person like, I tell her how it is, you know. Yes. I'm being brutally honest. And as I've gotten older, I realized the truth doesn't always have to be brutal. Yes. And in most cases, this, this is me just talking about me. And in most cases, the fact that people who call themselves brutally honest are people who others have not been considerate of their feelings. Therefore, they feel so they have to be that to other people, and that's okay. Like, no, nah, like sometimes There's, the truth is the truth, but you can say you it hear, nicer. Exactly. Like, that's there's it. a way of conveying the truth and not being, want to be kind, not nice. I value kindness over niceness, but like, you can, you can be truthful with someone and still have their feelings as a consideration. Like, the truth isn't always brutal. You don't have to just say it. Tact is, is, is good to have, especially when people to talk to you again. Yes. <laughs> you know? I, I actually had a friend of mine. I was the same way, Mark. I had a friend of mine a couple of years ago, um, and she's one of my closest friends. And I was sitting there going, I can't deal with this. I'm like, I just, you know, I'm trying to tell the truth in this scenario, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, maybe I'm 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 brutal about it, but, it, you know, I that's how I would prefer people to be with me. And maybe that's me personally, and that's okay, but that's not for everybody else either. And she was like, yeah, but, you know, it's it's okay to be tactful about it. You can still say the truth and you don't have to be so blunt. You can be softer about the way you say it. And and since then, I, I think that in my head and I try and pause before I speak. I don't always make it there. <laughs> but 
but I try, especially if my intentions aren't cruelty, because I don't want to hurt people I care about. Right, but I, right, but I, right. But yeah, so so it's something it's something I'm still working on. Definitely, yeah. I try. I think we I all try. are. Yeah, we we definitely all are. Like. It's just a consideration. You don't have to be a bull in a china shop with people's emotions. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And I was, and I used wrong. to be. I used to totally be. I I, I probably yeah. got a. I didn't like Cordelia as much when I was younger, and it's probably because she she some of her some of her quirks mirrored mine a little too much, and I didn't like what I saw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I'm right there with you. Like Mark's mouth used to be terrible. It's got a little bit better <laughs> <laughs> as I've gotten older. But like, yeah, just, you know, you, you don't have to always, you know, blather it out. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you don't. And as you get older, the wisdom, you get discernment, know when and where and how, you know, you get that as you get older. Cordy is But 17. not in this she, case. No, no, <laughs> no, no. And actually, in this particular scenario, not just for the comic timing of it, because it was, it was, it was the truth that need, needed to be told here. Somebody needed right. to say it in this situation. And I love that that everybody does kind of just support Buffy now. Then they're like, yes, okay, we do believe you because there have been so many times before where you've said, Well, I think that this is going on and we've questioned you in the past because they have. And Buffy's mm -hmm. like, No, I have rational reasons to think this, even though it seems crazy. Now right. they're kind of getting behind her. But you do always need a person to go, hey, hey, let stop, stop the train. Stop the train. Let's check ourselves here before we start jumping to conclusions. And maybe Cordy doesn't do it like tactfully, but it did right. need to be said. It did need to be said. The yeah. train needed to be stopped. And then they moved on from here. But it was also exactly. funny. <laughs> it was very funny. But no, she raised a good question about, you know, you're sick. There aren't monsters everywhere. You know, we know you don't like hospitals and all of this can kind of combine together and be this big thing. Or you think there's something going on with it there really isn't she something is going on but we'll get to that later so buffy sends the scoops in different directions about finding out hey what's going on what like what's going on so xander and cordy are checking the hospital and willow and giles are doing research so uh later that night buffy um comes up with uh she sees ryan the little boy that uh, she saw her first night in the hospital. Uh, we also find out in the course of this conversation that a kid had died in the hospital. So the night that Buffy got there, a child had died. And it appears the child had died from a fever. Yeah, I'm sorry, which... my, my, my brain just made a noise and it scared the fuck out of me like, I'm not printing anything. I know, okay. I just saw you look, I'm like, do we have ghosts? Yes, yeah, like, hold on. This would be the time. Is Mark seeing things? Do I need to do some Cordy action here? <laughs> yes. Let's apply <laughs> apply this to reality. <laughs> yes. Uh, so he found out that, you know, Buffy's talking to Ryan, the kid, and uh, he found out that a kid, another a little girl had died there uh, the night before from a fever. And he's drawing a picture of what he's seeing in the hospital and the picture is lining up to what Buffy saw in her vision. So Buffy's like, okay, yeah, this isn't, you know. Also, okay, so the, the kids in this, they're about, I'd say, what what would you guess, like seven, eight years old? Around then, yeah. Uh -huh. Okay, maybe a little older, a little younger-ish. So mm -hmm. I'm watching, I, I watched this this morning. It was the first thing I did when I got up and um, 
<clears throat> my seven-year-old walks into the room. He's like, oh, you're still watching Buffy. How long have you been doing? Because he wants my TV so he can play Minecraft. And, and I'm like, no, I've got like, I've got most of this episode left. So, so you got like a good 40 minutes, bud. He's like, okay, well maybe I'll watch it. I'm like, you know, there's going to be monsters, right? And he's like, yeah, but monsters aren't real. And he's, he's cool with it. He's, he's pretty cool for the most part. I'm like, all right, sit down. He looks at me. He goes, that is really scary. <laughs> Look at it. It gets drawing. I guarantee you later today, I'll probably have a drawing of it. If I do, I will share it with you guys. <laughs> I'll ask I'll ask our producer Soto if maybe he can somehow attach it to the episode. <laughs> but I I, yes. I I I feel like he's gonna do his own drawing of the monster. But then I was like, oh wow, he's about the right age too. Yeah. And again, very Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. Nightmare on Elm Street yes. is always some little kid that can see some shit that the adults can't. And of course, you know, Freddy Krueger always attack children, teens and and normally. But we all know the story. So, children. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he's talking to Buffy while he's drawing this thing. And he says, you know, you can't fight death. Now, which is just interesting. Like, wow, that's crazy. Now, throughout this episode, after Joyce mentions Buffy's fair hospitals, we do see these little vignettes of baby Buffy. When we say baby Buffy, Twenty seven, eight years old, yeah. in her playing with her cousin Cecilia, so we get Power these kind girl. of yes. <laughs> so we get these interspersed out there. And one of those scenes is that Buffy is Power Girl, a superhero, you know, that saves you know Cecilia from monsters and things of that nature. So Buffy has always been Buffy, you know, yeah. which is the, which is a nice you know thing to to kind of come up and and see, but um. Also in this scene, we do see how uh, the doctor, Dr. Becker, is having like an argument with uh, another doctor after, you know, the passing of one of the the, the kids. And, you know, usually we're kind of like at Scooby-Doo rules. The third person you see that's not in the main cast is typically the bad guy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's true. That, that's, it's true. That's just how it works with these kind of procedural you know, episodic, you know, supernatural things. The new person is somehow the big bad. So Dr. Becker, that's his name, he he's kind of arguing with, you know, another doctor about results and how to change things around to solve this sickness that's kind of going through something with the kids. Uh, we mentioned earlier in the episode, Cordy said that, you no, know, everyone has the flu at school. The kids who are also in the hospital are sick with the same thing that Buffy has. So everyone has this kind of weird flu thing that's going around. That's giving these kids super huge fevers, X, Y, and Z. So, after the picture of after we get the uh, we get the Buffy and Ryan can't fight death, uh, we do get a little bit of research on Dr. Becker's history and his read. Oh, oh, we get a little bit of we have information on his history and research. So Giles and Willow are at the library doing research on Dr. Becker, and Dr. Becker has a spotted past. So he has yeah. uh, malpractice. He's lost some people. It's just kind of sketchy for a doctor. It's enough that Giles says, "I think Buffy might be onto something." And, yeah. and and Willow and everybody else is starting to go, oh, something isn't right here too. And they're all starting to right. jump on the she isn't she isn't crazy train. Right. And 
another issue that we kind of see, not an issue, but a point of information that Giles Will kind of comes to is that children see things, you know, uh, not only do they kind of see things, but they can, children have the ability to see people for who they actually are yeah. and not what they show themselves to be. I love so, that. Yeah. So, you know, that gives kind of credence to maybe we're not looking at a supernatural monster per se, but we are looking at a live person that children are seeing their true selves and not the person yeah. that the adults and are seeing. And the drawing is their interpretation of that evil, even though that may not be what he physically looks like, which would lead to the doctor. Right. So we're kind of leaning towards, you know, the, 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 the guess who of it all is narrowing in on Dr. Becker. So. Oh, so. What happens after that? Yeah. Oh, uh, I think, I think Xander and Cordelia go looking through the medical stuff because we run into the security guard. Who right. I got super excited about. It's Willie Garrison. I love him. If you don't know who he is, he was on Sex in the City. He was Stanley. Yes. He was, he was Mozzie on White Collar. And I loved White Collar. He was so sweet on it. He was also on Stargate and just a million shows over the years. He passed away a couple of years ago. But he's, mm -hmm. he, I love him. And he just yes. has a tiny little role as the security guard. I was like, oh. He does. He does. So, uh, Xander and uh, Cordy are at the house. They're doing research. They're looking for things, whatever they can find. They find some files and things. Of course, the security guard, Stanley. Oh, yes. I'm like, that looks like Stanley. That's Stanley. Yes. He was. Yes. I did. I, I, I am DB it right when I was watching it. I'm like, that looks like Stanley. I'm pretty sure that's Stanley without the glasses. But, yes. Uh, so, they find some information about Dr. Beckett that kind of supports what uh, Giles and Willow had also seen. So, where are we now? Xander tells Cordy to go give Giles what, what they found. Uh, Xander is still at the hospital because he's kind of keeping an eye on Buffy. Buffy he wants yeah. to be there. And um, there is a nice conversation that before uh Cordy leaves her well yeah she and Xander have a conversation and Cordy is just like a rod of truth this episode like yeah she is the 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 person that cuts through all the bullshit and tells it like it is and he's like you know you're here to watch Buffy because you said you, you still have you know feelings for her and you watch her like that as if you're in a relationship and it's, it's kind of a weird situation like, yeah, it is. And here's the thing that I find interesting about it. I'm like, why? And I, 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 rem I remembered asking myself this too over the years, but I mean, I feel like this is actually a really real situation too. Of Why is she with him? Why is she with him? I mean, he doesn't, she's a placeholder to him. I mean, he, she is, he, he might like her. He definitely is physically into her. She's beautiful and why not? But he just, he doesn't know what he wants. He thinks he wants Buffy, but if I think if he wanted Buffy, it'd be the same thing. Oh, well, I'd like something else now. I've gotten my cake. I would like more cake. I would like different mm -hmm. cake. But why does she why does she tolerate that? And I have thought about it. I'm like, you know, so so many of us do that though. We're like, okay, well, you know, this isn't perfect, but we'll figure it out. Right? Mm -hmm. Right? Right? 
Cordy is 16. <laughs> She's it's, a teenager. But there's adults that do this too all the time. All the time. This you is see also, with a, yeah. You see this with adults too. That's that's what that's what I started to come to because when I was listening to this conversation, I'm like, would you please just dump him already? I mean, come on. And and mm-hmm. we're going deep into it. it. And it started too with the seeds with Angel calling him out and saying, You still love her, blah, blah, blah. And right. they're not denying it. So mm-hmm. and they're always together. Cordy and and Xander. Yeah. So I it was. It was really, really, really poignant and and kind of uh kind of interesting considering where things go with their relationship in the future. Yes. Yes. It's not this direction. It's another direction. <laughs> yeah, it, it's something else. It's something else. So Drow Xander is kind of, you know on the lookout, sends Cordelia to uh, Joss to let her know what, what they have found. And Buffy is still taking matters into her own hands. So Buffy is on the hunt. There's something going on in the hospital. She's convinced that it's supernatural in nature and she is looking around to figure out what's going on. So yeah, and she's feeling that, a little bit better now too. She's, she's yes. The fever has broke and they basically have her there to rest and observation at this point. So she's not full slayer mode yet, but she's definitely on the mend here too. So she's wandering around by herself. Yes. Oh, another (laughs) Nightmare on Elm Street throwback. Tina is the name of the little girl who died of the fever, right? And for those, I'm a huge Nightmare on Elm Street fanatic, y'all. And Tina is the name of the first girl to be killed by Freddy in the original Nightmare on Elm Street. The whole being clawed and dragged across the ceiling situation. Her name was Tina. I'm like, oh, this is Nightmare on Elm Street. This is cool. One hundred percent. Absolutely. And this episode so, too, like you don't always. There's horror elements in in a lot of the Buffy episodes. This episode feels like a horror horror theme from start to finish. It really does, especially the the seclusion of being just in the hospital for the whole entire yeah. episode. It's Absolutely. it's 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 pretty good. It's pretty good. I like it. So Buffy is on the hunt. She's in the um, hospital. She's kind of watching Dr. Backer because she's like, something's going on with this doctor. He's the lead doctor of the kids. Something's awry. So while he's making his rounds, he's giving injections to the children and things of that nature. Uh, He gets attacked by an invisible assailant. It's pretty creepy, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So again, going back to Tina, if you know the team, the scene in the bedroom of Tina and Nightmare on Elm Street, she's being torn apart and ripped up by an invisible assailant. Again, Nightmare on Elm Street all day. And this happens, and this thing drags him into the hallway where Buffy is. And you know, he the the the, the assailant kills Dr. Becker and pushes Buffy out the way. And he then drags the body of Dr. Becker down the hallway. Again, another illusion nightmare on Elm Street. This time with Nancy in school. She fell asleep in school and like the body bag is being dragged in the hallway and around the corner. Again, I love Nightmare on Elm Street, y'all. I, like, I love I this. I love this. I love that you're catching everything. And anybody that and yes. anybody that watches this episode is a huge fan too, then they'll pick up on all this stuff. It's kind of neat. Um yeah, like, I, oh. I, I I gotta ask you too. Did you remember this episode? Did you remember all this stuff? Because I no. didn't. I was no. shocked when the doctor got attacked. I was like, oh, I thought he was the bad guy. 
Exactly. Supernatural or not, I I was buying into him being the bad guy. So I was yeah. totally shocked when he got attacked. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> exactly. Like I watched this episode with brand new eyes. Like I had no yeah. prior memory of this particular episode. So we now know Dr. Becker isn't the bad guy. So it's the next day. Uh, Buffy's getting is getting uh, released. Like, hey, you're feeling better. You're doing great. We're going to release you now. And Buffy's like, oh no, 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 no. I, I, I have a fever. I'm good. You know, I need to be here because something's going on now. Now I don't know how insurance works in Honeydale. But when they discharge you, there, there is no, oh, you get you're, to stand another you day. You are discharged unless you're paying out of pocket. <laughs> exactly. Because that is a money-making machine. <laughs> Hospitals are not, are not there for kindness. They're there yeah, for we're, payment. We're flipping beds, baby. Flipping beds. Clarence yeah. in the restaurant. We're flipping beds in the, rest, in, in the hospital. So another, this is a really funny scene <laughs> that happens after this. Giles and Cordy has to go do research now. Yes. And I was like, hey, I'll stay here. And Giles and Cordy, you guys go do research. And Giles like, oh, why do I have to do research? And he catches himself. Because like, Cordy's standing right there. And he's like, why do I have to do research with Cordy? Like, she's not helpful. And she's, she's just looking at him like, really? Really, my guy? And he's like, okay, come on. Let's, let, let's go. And this is the first, I don't know if it's the last, but it's the first time we see Giles and Cordy being the researchers together. Yeah. Typically, yeah. You, yeah. Typically, it's Giles and Willow, sometimes Giles and Xander, but Giles and, and Cordy is like, oh, this is interesting. This is funny. It's it's a so, different dynamic. It's and which, too, a lot of this episode feels very, very divergent from everything else that's Buffy. So, this is just another element that's kind of being flipped on its head and it feels different. And it's and it ends up being funny because Cordy does all right at, at research. Yeah, she does. So we go back to the library and they're doing research, and Cordy is essentially, you know, doing the what's that kid? No, the thing that kids do, they're asking question after question. She's asking questions about monster. Oh, what does that monster do? What does that monster do? What does that monster do? And at like the third or fourth one, Jazz is like, that monster asks questions unnecessarily and you know yes. becomes a problem. <laughs> It was great. <laughs> it, was. it was great. Giles is annoyed. He's pissed off. And in anger, Cordy slams the book. And lo and behold, on the cover of the book is a very similar depiction of the monster that little Ryan had drew earlier in the episode. Now, uh, now <laughs> Cordy is calling Buffy. Buffy is on the phone with Cordy. And Cordy is giving the update on the monster. The monster is called Der Kinderstod. And that's German, because uh, I used to take German, but the child death. So this monster is only visible by children. And essentially, it sucks the life force out of children. And that's how it sustains itself. And when the kids die, it just looks like they died of natural causes and not from this monster. And it feeds on sick kids. So, again, Freddy Krueger. The monster has on a hat, not a fedora, but it's like a bowler hat. It has claws, very similar to Like, this is, it's very Nightmare there's, on the Street. There's very, it is clearly influenced by Freddy. The whole entire thing is. It absolutely is. Yes. But I love it. it I, I live for that shit. But, you know, 
this is the monster. And this also ties into the little flashbacks of childhood Buffy that we're seeing. When Buffy was in the room with her cousins as soon as she died, it was actually the the the, the Kinderstad. Yeah. He, he killed Cecilia. You know, when Buffy walks into the room, you finally see that scene where she was in the room when her cousin was dying. She was screaming, you know, there was an invisible thing on top of her. Yeah. Yeah. What a horrible death. A a terrible death. And for children, no less. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which also completely validates Buffy's fear of hospital and this traumatized moment of her past. Right. Absolutely. Like, it's crazy. So that just brings a new forever to uh, be a Buffy. Like, hey, this is the problem. What's you know, he killed Cecilia. We have to make sure we have to make sure that this doesn't happen again. So Willow, uh, and of course, Cordy is giving this information to Buffy, and it's the most comical thing. Ever. It's like girlfriend gossip on the phone, yeah. and like <laughs> Giles walks in and gives like Cordy a picture of. The animal of, of, of the of the monster because oh ew 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 oh, this is disgusting I can't oh this is terrible <laughs> like <laughs> and Buffy and Buffy's like can you put Giles on the phone <laughs> and Giles gets on the phone and he's like wrapping up the exposition and Buffy's like yeah I I, I got that from the ooze that it's it's not pretty and now the question is like how do we see this monster like how like it was invisible I saw it the first night when I was here. But I didn't see it before. What's going on? So with her and Will kind of decide that, oh, it's the fever that is doing it. The fever is how you get to see the the monster. And all the kids have the fever. So they can see this thing that's attacking them. And the reason why Dr. Backer was killed, because he found a cure for it. He found yeah. that. Um, you know, by exposing them to the virus that gave them the fever in the first place, it kind of burned off. So by, you know, being exposed to it more, kind of cured it. So they go to Dr. Becker's office and he has whatever virus, whatever disease the kids have, he has a distilled, it's like 100% potency. And beyond, uh, more, what am I, I almost called Buffy Beyonce, Jesus. I was going to. I kind of wanted you to follow through. <laughs> it's Music League. Y'all, small there side note. Here at Rabbit Hole Podcast, there's this new app called Music League. Let me tell you. I have a list of the songs. <laughs> That's, it's right here. But... <laughs> I've got all my notes. <laughs> i got some problems here. We, we've been having a lot of fun with it. <laughs> yes, this, this, is, this is such a tangent. And it's not a paid advertisement, but there's an app called Music League <laughs> where you get to create these tournaments of different rounds of music. Like you have these criteria that you choose, but your friends choose music. It makes a playlist and you get to vote on, you know, what song meets the criteria the best. It's a very fun thing. It, it links to Spotify, but we here at Rabbit Hole Podcast have been addicted to it for the last three weeks that's it yeah that's all we've been doing i keep i keep coming down tell mike i'm like i can't believe more people didn't like magic stick this is some bullshit (laughs) and he's like what are you talking about i'm like do you know a purple song i picked and he's like i i've had enough oh man i love you very much but oh god but like i'm looking at my list and i keep on glancing at beyond like no not beyonce mark buffy buffy Buffy. (laughs) 
Right. I know it is. It's overtaking our lives, but it's so much fun. I love it. I've been listening to all the playlists. I listen to music all day while I work, guys. All day. That's all I listen to is listen to work. Music. I don't listen to work. <laughs> so I've been listening to our playlist too. And it's, it's really fun. It's a lot of fun. But yeah, Mark is highlighting Beyonce right now for one of our leagues. I am. And I'm like, oh, stop, Mark. Like, Mark, stop. <laughs> <laughs> but They're both big beasts. That's all right. they are. They're both strong, <laughs> wonderful women. yes. But Buffy, Buffy uh, is now in Dr. Becker's office with Willow, trying to infect herself again. Because right now she's the Slayer, and Slayers kind of have heightened immune systems. They're not easily taken out. So she's no longer sick. But she wanted to stay in the hospital because things are killing children. So in order to see the monster, she has to have a fever. So she gets the distilled version of the virus After from the Willow Dr. Becker stops department. her from putting the full load into her, she's like, you're going to kill yourself. Don't die. <laughs> Yes. the whole exchange between them is so cute. I love <laughs> those two so much. they are adorable. And then, you know, of course, Buffy takes, she has the fever again. And now she's trying to find <laughs> the monster. She goes back to the children's ward and the children are gone. oh, The that children scared aren't me. there. Yes. Where are the children? They're not there. Buffy can't see the monster yet, but as her fever gets, as her fever worsens, she now sees the monster and the children are running from the monster. They flee their ward into the boiler room, which is the same door inside of the children's ward. Now, please, I don't, I'm not, I am not an architect, much less one of hospitals, but I think it's a bad idea to put the door to the boiler room in the children's ward. Like, I'm going to go with you and agree. I, I, I guess it's maybe a hellmouth thing. <laughs> Right. but I, it seems like a really bad idea, especially sick kids. Exactly. Exactly. Eh, So, that's not particularly great. <laughs> right. So, Buffy is now sick again because she needed to be sick to see the the monster, and the monster is chasing the kids into the basement slash boiler room. Again, nightmare on Elm Street, kids. But <laughs> so. She's now sick again. Like she, she's sick. She's a slayer. She's strong, but she's now sick. The doctor sees, you know, Willow and Buffy. Like, why are you out of your room? You're sick. They do a, a diversion. They're running Yeah, from the doctor. Willow says she has frogs all over her. I'm gonna... Yes. <laughs> and she's jumping up and down. I'm laughing my ass off, which is really great because at the moment I'm really worried about these kids. And in general, you kind of know they're like, no, there's no way they're going to kill all the kids. But they did kill some kids already. This is Yeah, this I can't is a die. teenage. Yeah, two actually, if you count Celia. So I mean, there's been they're they're like, oh yeah, we're we're gonna kill kids, and we just lost Jenny Calendar the last episode. So I. traumatized you know i'm like I, i'm not really sure i needed willows i need willows frog freak out i needed it at that moment Yes. the comic timing in this show is always spot on and necessary <laughs> yes. So uh, Willow freaks out with the frogs, which causes another diversion. The hospital staff is going after Willow, thinking she's the sick one. But it's Buffy that's the sick one. Buffy finds Xander, who's there, you know, still there on watch, and they get down to the basement. Uh, the children are found by their Kinderstad. And this is not very Nightmare on Elm Street. The, the Kinderstad has claws, but how he feeds is through his eyes. Yeah, His. I didn't like that. Nope, <laughs> that was weird. yeah. Yuck. So essentially, his eyes popped out and they became fallopian tubes, and they would attach themselves to the children. 
and suck out their life force. It's so it's icky. I don't like eye stuff. I don't like eye stuff. I didn't want it. I was like, stop it. You need to stop. Stop showing me that. Really problematic. <laughs> so, of course, you know, the, the only other kid that has the name in this one, Ryan, you know, the, kinder, the monster gets a hold of Ryan and he's sucking life force out of Ryan. Oh, and uh, while this is happening, all these children are screaming. And I mean screaming. I hear Mike in the next room going, are they going to stop screaming at any time? I'm like, I don't know. I wish they would. I wish oh they would. It's, it's making me crazy. I don't do well. Yes. Little little babies crying. I can't hear it on TV. I will mute that shit. <laughs> and kids screaming guess- like that. I'm like in terror and scared. I, I All my mom's stuff just goes to freaking 12. I can't. I can't do it. Uh, I, I can definitely understand. <laughs> I get it. No, I'm like, I got to fix this. I got to fix this. I got to, I got to do this. I'm like, I'm not a slayer. This isn't even real. What is wrong with you, woman? Stop reacting this way. <laughs> yes. So the, um, the monster is trying to get a hold of little Ryan. Buffy shows up. She fights the monster and she eventually snaps his neck and kills the monster. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So of course, Xander's is coming up from behind. You know, he sees, well, he doesn't see anything because the van, the, the monster is invisible. But he says, I, I think I heard a, a snap, so I guess it's dead. She's like, yeah, that was his neck. He, he, he's done now. So uh, the kids get better. Uh, Buffy gets to go home. And this episode essentially ends with all the Scoobs in Buffy's room. And they're all kind of sick. Uh, Joyce is kind of nursing Buffy. We scroll oh, she over, is we being see... serious Mama Joyce. Spoiling time. Yes. <laughs> Uh, she scrolled. We on uh, the camera pans over from Buffy. We see Willow in the bed. And we also see Xander. Willow's asking for a refill of her drink. Xander's asking for more snacks. And Joyce is like, "Oh no, that's the last bag." And he's like, "No, there's another bag hidden behind so and so, so and so." And she's like, uh, "Mind you, this is Buffy's room. So they're, they're under Joyce's roof." And no, Xander is like forcing himself upon you know jo- Joyce's snacks in her house, which is just like asshole, like. <laughs> You are demanding snacks in a woman's house that she hid for herself. The fact that she has to hide snacks did from you, you. Did so. you ever, did you like have a friend's house that was the mom's house and that you would go to that all the kids hung out at and the mom kind of took care of everybody and, and that kind of thing? Because yes, because there was always a kid like Xander who was like always into all the snacks and knew where everything was. Yes, that was, I was laughing because so, I'm like, I know that kid. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that, that that house was my mother that was, that was my house like oh that's awesome my mother, from my childhood until this very day my my parents house was full of snacks and children would just knock on the door hey miss cat can i get something you know to a snack a juice a fruit roll-ups like gushes all my, my my mom's house my parents house is filled with snacks and all the kids still come up and say hi and grab snacks so yes, that that is my house to this day. Not a child lives there. No one under the age of sixty lives in my parents' house. But oh. it's full of snacks for children. <laughs> I still have those too. I mean, I have a child in my house, but but even so, I if, if if the older ones come over and visit, I'm like here, and then I put bags together. I'm like I keep shit around the house just so I can give them shit when they come visit, <laughs> and I send them home with bags like Brosnan. I will send him home with like I don't eat zebra cakes. I don't want them. I'll buy a box of them just just so I can give them to him the next time I see him. 
I love I super cakes. I, I don't like them anymore. I used to love them when I was a kid. So I pick them up every once in a while. And I'm like, I'm going to love it again. And I'm like, I don't. They, they don't taste the same anymore. But just no. I, I, every, everything tastes every better in the fridge, moon. though. Put them in the fridge and they're a little bit better. Okay. I might do that. Every blue moon, I, I grab a pack of zebra cakes. Like, this is just childhood. Yes. It is, though. It is, though. And Christmas like trees. Oh, the Christmas trees! Yes! Oh my gosh, those are my favorite. Whenever we get the seasonal ones, like the little little chocolate Valentine hearts, too, those cupcakes, I, I probably have nice. some in my drawer right now. I bet I fucking do. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I got a ding-dong. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah, I, oh. I always buy those seasonal ones, and they never taste as good as they used to, but I still do it. Yeah, I still do it. <laughs> yeah, so fun. <laughs> That is kind of how the episode ends, which is a nice yep. little palate cleanser from episode 17 on Passions. So, yeah. yeah nice little definitely. side quest. It was it was a good, it was a good scary horror episode. And I liked that I didn't really remember it. There aren't too many episodes. I mean, there are parts and elements of episodes that I don't always remember. But most of them I start watching and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this. And I think I know what's going to happen. Um, this one, I... I remembered the beginning and that was mostly it. The rest of it, I'm going, I have no, I have no memory. I was Gandalf. I have no memory of this place. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so that was, that was a good time. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I think that's about it for this episode. Nice. As, a, as I just said, great little side quest. Nice. Again, palate cleanser from the last episode, which is super heavy. So yes, you, you need you need the time to kind of break up the story a little bit because seventeen was a lot. That there was a lot going on there, but I'm glad this is a nice little break from that, and we'll get right back into the next episode because I think it's a next two or is a two parter. Um, no, no, I don't think maybe it's I only have eyes for you is the next episode. You're right. You're right. Yes. Which I, this one's now, this one's this one's. This one's an interesting one. I, I'm, I'm curious to see what my adult eyes, how it interprets that episode. Yes. Yes. But yeah, that is it for this episode. So Heather, where can the listeners find you? You can find me at heatherbaxnell.com. And I was all of my stuff on there, all of my book stuff. And it has all my podcasting stuff. And you can find me there. You can sign me up. I, sign up for my newsletter too. And I will send you messages. Maybe I'll spam you. I won't spam you. Maybe I'll spam you. Now you have no idea where I'm coming from, right? <laughs> you can find me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't sleep much last night, guys. <laughs> so you can find me at heatherbacksnail.com. Thank you. Mark, where can everybody find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at EliteSense85. Uh, that's my handle. And uh, just random shit posting things that make me laugh, things that make me think, and things that, we all, that should be on our radars as, you know, Time goes on. It's great to laugh. I love laughing on, you know, social media. But sometimes there are things that pop up that you need to talk about. So my my things social media presence. Mm-hmm. Indeed. <laughs> my social media presence is a combination of those two things. So if that's something that you're, that you're interested in, feel free to check me out. You should. He's fantastic. I love him. That's it. <laughs> All right. That's been our episode. We'll see you guys in two weeks. See ya. Word of Hellmouth is hosted by Heather Baxendale Walsh and Mark Armstead. The show is edited and produced by the spectacular, wonderful, and, you know, possible overlord, Jason Soto. 
We are one of many Rabbit Hole Podcast shows. Go check out rabbitholepodcast.com. There are so many cool shows to pick between. I mean, anything you want, it's there. Uh, you can find this show and all of those that I didn't mention specifically at rabbitholepodcast.com. You can find them at Anchor, Google, and pretty much everywhere podcasts are streaming. A theme song used is Noise Attack by Kevin McLeod. It can be found at incompetech.com. And uh, that's been our show. So uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. I think I did this last week. I won't see you, but I'll talk to you. That's all I've got. Grr. Arg. Copyright 2024, Rabbit Hole Podcasts, rabbitholepodcasts.com.